Welcome to the House of Worship podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's message. For more information, visit our website at www.myhouseofworship.org. I'm just thankful for the audience he gives us that when two or three gather together in his name, they is in their midst. And we can say that we are people that entertain the Lord. We are people that he enjoys coming around. And I want you to take that scripture that Pastor George gave serious. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Sometimes the simplicity of a word is also the potency of the word. And the effectiveness of the word is you taking that word and letting it become your word. Let it be your inheritance. Try it. Work on it. Ask him anything. You didn't say something's anything. <laughs> and I will do it. Just leave the timelines to the Lord. <laughs> he said he would do it. All your part is to ask. His part is to do it. And we, like children, don't have a problem reminding him of what he says he will do. Children are never tired of saying, do it for me again. I want us to look at Job 23, verse 12. Job 23, verse 12, Amplified says, I have not gone back from the command of his lips. Whatever Lord says, I have not gone back on that. He sees what God says as a command also. And it's important as we walk as disciples and raise others as disciples, that see as he speaks that it is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not if you feel like it. It's something that is imperative. And you and I, like Job, would say, I have not gone back from any commandment of his lips. Meaning, I am not situationally prone to change how I function. Uh, if, if I am broke, I can still give God. Yeah, if I am full, I can still give God. You know, sometimes we think that when we have, that's when we'll give. But no, 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 no. The, the real measure of your, when you can give is not uh, whether you have or you don't have, but it's just the heart that is generous. So situationally, you don't shift from holiness. You don't shift from righteousness. You don't shift from what he commands you. You stay put and everything else would begin to tow your line as we tow the line of God. So he continues and he says, I have esteemed and treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. You know, this scripture makes me want to fast sometimes. This scripture makes me want to say, food, you, you are important, but you do not compare to God. He says his necessary food, that means even food that will keep him alive, he places God's word more highly. It's, it, his priorities are 
with God's word. Can someone say, I want to be able to say this, that I have esteemed and treasured your word. Meaning whatever God tells me, I keep it. Whatever God tells me, I uh, put my weight behind it. Listen, anything you want to love, one of the secrets of your ability to love a thing, Jesus teaches us that wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be. Whatever you make treasure, your heart follows. Did you hear what I said? Whatever you make treasure. And you know, what is treasure to one may not be treasure to the other. You know, you may think that the nice car you have is so uh, important, another person will look at it and think very little of it. Yeah, the, the suit that you think is your nice suit, somebody looks at you and thinks, you know, you, you just came from, uh, and you think that's the best suit you got. But when it comes to anything that has to do with God, it would be my opportunity to decide <laughs> this is treasure. Amen. Remember Jesus teaching us on uh, the kingdom, he said, a man found a pearl in a field. He sold everything and bought that field because of that pearl. Why? In the kingdom, anything in the kingdom is more valuable than anything else. So Paul will say, I counted all dung. Everything that I have acquired, achieved, does not compare to God. And as we make God's word treasure, as we make his word esteemed in our eyes, as we make every activity he calls us into more important than everything else, it shapes the way we flow. Our walking with him gains different levels of influence because now the word would also begin to Open itself up to you. You know, what you value, values you. Anyone who worships, what you worship and tends to empower you. So if that which you're worshiping doesn't have almighty power, then you are limited with the power flow that comes into your life. Can we read that verse one more time? I have not gone back from the command of your lips. I have esteemed and treasured the word of God more than my necessary food. Making his word, making his word more important than my necessary food. I want to remind us some of the marks of a disciple is someone who is able to recognize his voice. So we, we talked about voice recognition. Someone who is prone to obedience. As a matter of fact, you mark your life by obedience. Number three, learning is one of our characteristics. We like to learn. Any disciple should be a learner. Number four, you're teachable. You are teachable, you are teachable. Number five, you are a follower. All right, you follow. Just like we read in Job, you know, he makes sure he's following the commands 
of God. Number six, you are a leader in that you carry out the responsibility of him who you follow. Number seven, you're an example. Number eight, you are a witness. Number nine, you operate in love. Number 10, you're characterized by faithfulness. All right? Now, we are looking at it from different angles, but we're trusting God that in these three months that we're talking about discipleship, we will grow as disciples and also disciple others. Now, today I want to talk about discipleship in line of relationship. Jesus' method of discipling was relational. The kingdom's function is relational. Jesus opened up to teach us to pray, and he said, when you pray, say, our Father. He introduced a relationship. It was not a set of rules. It was not uh, uh, this, uh, what do you call it, nine things you do and you get connected. Uh, anytime you think relational, it's very fluid. It's not fluid without design. It is fluid with design, like a flowing river still has design. And it also encompasses the fact that there is a uniqueness when it's relationship. So, for example, I have three boys. They all came from us. That is my wife and I but they are all distinctly different. Not only in stature, but in the way they approach issues. And God would not disciple us by a cookie cutter. So every one of us is going to be uniquely discipled because of our unique gifts and the unique assignment on our life. Every one of us, hear me clearly, you have unique problems. So unique, you need a unique solution. You don't need, that's why somebody's solution is not working for you. And every now and then we need to go back to the drawing table and say, God, which side of you are you trying to show me? Because of my uniqueness. Can someone lift their hands and say, Holy Spirit, you are discipling me. Help me to learn that I may be effective because I am surely unique in your eyes. Listen, there's an anointing that will hit somebody and it will not hit you. And it doesn't mean that that anointing is not powerful. It's just not appropriate for you. We all don't take the same medications. The bottom line is that we all don't even like the same food. So what may be exciting to you may really not be good for my body. Not because it's bad, but it's because I'm unique. So Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, come to me. <clears throat> come to me. It's personal. Everyone needs to come to Jesus. And if you haven't given your life to Christ, wherever you are listening to me, you must come to Jesus. He says, come to me. And he asks, all you who labor and are heaven laden, and I will give you rest. But, you know, before you think about the labor and heavy laden, blah, 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 he says what? Come to me. He met G uh, Peter and he says, come, follow me. 
you know, he, he, it's personal. He didn't say just come and let's go for a journey. He says, you come to me. Can you say to Lord, the Lord, this is between me and you. I'm coming after you. I'm coming after you. And all those we disciple, we bring to the Lord. Yes, it's good to invite them to church because it's an environment that they must learn to associate with because God does something corporately. But more importantly, God does something individually. So you bring them to church, but make sure you are introducing them to Jesus. So now this may sound normal to read, but sometimes from where I sit, it's amazing the number of people who have not gone to Jesus but come to me. Can I say it one more time? It's amazing the number of people who go to others without going to Jesus with their heavy ladies. You know, they, they are heavily laden. They have things that are bogging them. They, they are not in any sort of rest, but they are looking for people to give them rest. Now, Jesus is not saying don't go to somebody. He's saying, come to me. There is a uniqueness about some of your issues that nobody would help you, not because they are not anointed, because God wants to have that space to do that. Just got two amens over there. It's okay. It's okay. You know, your eyes would open. There are some things you've been, people have been praying. You can call the whole of the intercessory teams from nation to nation. What the Holy Spirit wants to disciple you in will not be solved by another's prayer. Jesus did not heal everybody on his second. He left some for John and Peter to heal. So there are certain people I will not be able to help. Ishmael will help them. They're certain, seriously, God is very unique in trying to get us all to grow. There are certain things that will not <laughs> constitute growth in your life if you don't participate. So he's interested in every one of us becoming a disciple and then disciple others. So Matthew 28, 19, you can go there. He says, Go ye therefore and make disciples. Disciples are made. The fact that you're born again doesn't make you a disciple. It initiates you into it, but it doesn't make you one. So it says, go ye into, go therefore and make disciples of what? All nations. Meaning everybody is, is a, a disciple Material. Everyone can be discipled. Now, when he says nations, think about it in terms of not just geography, but think about it in terms of culture. Think about it in terms of professions. Think about it in terms of discipline. So, the nation of doctors, the nation of lawyers, the nation of teachers. Think about it in terms of every grouping you can find. So, the nation of those who drink coffee. You know, now, if you think about it, you can meet people at a coffee drinking joint. Yeah. Those who like pizza. Yeah, those who like football. You know, they're all nations. Those who like soccer, they're all nations. Yeah. So, make sure you get in there and begin to what? Disciple them. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Now, yes, we do baptize them by water, but we also want to baptize them. Yeah? So they are soaked and drenched in the Father. They are soaked and drenched in the Son. They are soaked and drenched in the Holy Spirit. They have the identity. You know, they, they are dead to themselves but alive in the Father. They are dead to themselves but alive in Jesus. They are dead to themselves but alive in the Holy Spirit. This, this should be their hallmark. It's not, you know, only saying Jesus when they are in trouble. But no, no, no. These people are disciples. They, they know how the Father expects them to function. They know the expectation of the Holy Spirit on their life. They know who Jesus is. So we are not saying that just tell them about Jesus or let them know that you know about Jesus but after you've left their presence there's something about them they also carry what you carry can someone lift their hands and say Jesus I want to be a disciple I want to be a disciple Now, think about it. He's entrusting you and I to be able to go into the nations and transform people. Can I suggest to you, you are an influencer. When God looks at you, he sees you as a great influence. Not only are you going to, you know, it's not only uh, rising in, in the corporate ranks or your business expanding, but you being able to disciple people. The reason why you are being positioned is so that you can disciple, you can influence someone. You can relationally bring them to Christ. You know, you can relationally make them think about Jesus. It's all about the relationship. Yes, we will tell some people without really being uh, uh, related to them in terms of we just met them at Safeway and we, we talked to them about Jesus. No, that's one protocol, but there are other protocols that God expects us. If I'm going to disciple in a nation, that you must flow in that nation to be able to disciple them. Second Timothy 2.2. Today happens to be 2.2.20. So Second Timothy 2.20. All right. No, not 2.20. 2. 2.2. <laughs> 2, okay. <laughs> now this is Paul talking to his disciple. Yeah. His protege. Someone who he is working on. Now in our current lingo we'll use words like his mentee, all right? So he says, and uh, the things that you have heard from me, meaning if you are discipling someone, they must hear something from you. You can't disciple people by them just watching you. They must hear you. They must hear your conversations. You must be able to reflect the kingdom by your conversations. And he says, head from me among many witnesses. Meaning, Paul is consistent. Wherever you hear him, he's the same guy. It may be a different subject, but he still reflects Christ. It may be a different context, but he's still reflecting Christ. May your conversation around the water cooler be the same. As your conversation around uh, lunchtime. Let it be the same in the boardrooms. Let it be the same when you are dealing with, with, with uh, uh, people on the streets. Wherever you are, let your conversations be consistent. Then he says, commit these to faithful men. Ooh. He says, Tim, I, I need you to get a hold of what I'm saying to you. 
uh, uh, I, I need you to look at me, just mirror what I am saying, and then I need you to do something with it. All right, so Paul is taking the command of the Lord Jesus, go ye into the world and make disciples. So he's saying, uh, committed to faithful men who will be able also to teach others. <laughs> yeah, so we don't just disciple randomly. Now I want you to write these three things as we discussed today. Number one, intentional. Our discipling should be very intentional. Paul is saying, Tim, you're going to disciple, but you cannot just be haphazard about it. It's not going to be mistakes. You, you're not going to disciple by mistake. You're going to do it intentionally. He gives him a category of people if you want to transfer information on. Look for people who are what? No, he says commit to faithful. Yeah, so look for faithful. So the question is how does a faithful person look like? You can't commit to them if you don't know what they look like. So he says, commit to these faithful people who would be able also to teach. So they are not just faithful, but they have an ability to teach. Meaning, in the making of a disciple, you want to make sure that they are absorbing information, but doing it and also being able to teach others. So sometimes we quote scriptures at people, how about we teach them? You know, you can, you can slap me with, for God so loved the world, but can you teach me for God so loved the world? And it makes a difference. So number two, you, 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 when you're discipling, it has to be individualized. So one is intentional, two is individualized, and three, it's inspired. So the intentionality is going after an individual with a heart that this person can be better than they are currently if I can work with them. So as a body, can we begin to look at discipling as one of the things we do? That every moment can be an opportunity to disciple somebody. There are some of us who will be closer than others, but can we program this in our spirit that we are called to disciple? So some people will get into the worship team and the worship team need to disciple them. If we are not careful, we'll just have people joining teams with no impact. If the intent is to move people to be like Christ, it's not going to happen by just hearing messages. It's going to happen by relationship. So we want to be a relational people. Know that it's by relationships that we touch lives, we change lives. How many remember this guy called Zacchaeus? I like call him Zach. Let's, let's look at Zach. All right, so Luke 19, 1 to 10. 
Luke 19, 1 to 10. I'll read it and from uh, the Holman's translation this time. He entered Jericho, and as he was passing through, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. <laughs> he was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, because today I must stay at your house. I must stay at your house. How intentional could you get? So he's not coming for lunch. I must stay. We don't know how long he stayed, but he said, I must stay in your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to lodge with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, I like it, but, you know, Zacchaeus is not just a, He's a distinguished guy. He does things differently. If he's collecting tax, he really collects tax. He's called a tax collector. And if he's making money, he's called a rich man. You know, if he's short, he's short. If he's climbing trees, I mean, I like Zach. He just gets ahead of the crowd, waits for the crowd to get to him. Can you wait for the Lord to come to you? I mean, the guy just sets himself up. Now, everybody is complaining that he's staying in his house. Zach, don't mind. As long as I'm getting it going, I'm okay. You know, something about him interests me. He says, but he stood there and said to the Lord, look, I give half of my possessions to the poor. Lord, and if I have exhorted, ex extorted, sorry, anything from anyone, I pay it back four times. Now look at it. A lot of times we don't read the first part. Zach says he's giving half to the poor. I mean, how many of the poor people will complain after this? Guess not. <laughs> he's giving half and then he's giving, he didn't say I have cheated. He said if I have. So please stop looking at Zach as a a, a rogue, a crook, whatever. He says, if I have, I will give four times. What is he doing? He's doing what is called restituting. All right? Now, he restitutes to get back into relationship. And the quota he's cutting here is one of the highest quotas that is, is given. He's given four times. He's not giving one time. He's not giving two times. He's not giving three times. He's giving what? Four times. Those of you who do uh, accounting, what percentage is that? Come again? 25. So he's willing to give. Is it 25? No, 400. 400. He's willing to give 400 times. Whatever you, 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 you've taken from him. No, no, whatever he, he may have taken from you. All right? Now, Think about it. He, he did, we never read what Jesus tells him. 
he just hangs with him for a period of time and this guy's life is changed. We never hear Jesus tell him a thing. The thing about relationship is that it has this ability to transform you without sermons. You know, when you hang with somebody for a while, you can tell who they are. And in this thing that God is calling us to go disciple the nations, please, by our life, somebody should be able to say, you know what, I give to the church. I give to the poor. I, I do this. I do that. I don't know what Jesus might have said, but he came out with it. And my inkling is that anyone we relate to must begin to adjust in their life. Because Jesus is working on him as an individual, Nicodemus has different issues. All right? So, for example, it's obvious that people think he's a sinner. But Jesus takes time to spend time with him. We need to individualize individuals. Don't make them look like everybody. All right? The fact that one guy was smart doesn't mean the other person will do the same. We may be the same complexion, but can you individualize me? And Jesus takes time to spend time with him. Think about Jesus. He, he spends time with, with everyone individually. And that's very important. And when I know that, it comforts my heart. So, for example, Paul says that I am accepted amongst the beloved. That's individual. Every individual matters to Jesus. And sometimes confidence and, and ability to keep moving is knowing that God is with you. He may be with you, but he's still with me too. He may be blessing you, but he hasn't forgotten me. He may be lifting you up, but he is mindful of me. Can someone say, I am an individual and God cares about me? Now listen, think about it. He knows the number of hairs on my head. He's an individual. He says, even the sparrow, the, the bird that died, the, the squirrel that got hit by the car, God is even thinking about that squirrel, that bird, he's mindful of me. If my hair that is in my brush, he knows it, then he's mindful of me. He's mindful of me. And it's important so that those that come into Christ don't think that, you know, they are not important. The importance of the individuality makes you come to the top, makes you be separated. God can stop everything and take care of you. You know, that rich man who called Jesus, uh, he's called Jairus to, to go heal his daughter. Jesus said, I'm coming. Individual. Whilst he was on the road, this woman creeps at the back and touches him and sucks the anointing out of him. Individual. Now, I'm not sure what is happening in Jairus' mind because whilst this woman sucks the life out of Jesus, because Jesus says, virtue has left me. I'm sure Jairus is like, hey. <laughs> You know, the, the virtue that we, we have connected with, you've come to suck it all up. But, you know, it, it was individually, individually. 
You know, it's like, who touched me? Who touched me? Individual. And then the, the disciples are saying, Jesus, is there something? Are you hungry or something? I mean, we're all around you. You're, you're saying, who touched me? Because it's on an individual basis. When we come to church, when we gather in the congregation of righteousness, can you single yourself out and say, God, you are seeking for true worshipers. Here I am. You know, I always like to share this. In the midst of even being the one who is going to speak or the one who, you know, is the invited guest, I make sure that God knows me. I'm not riding on the crowd. I'm riding on myself. There's this individual grace that is available for you. The angel that came must meet you. There's this thing about you being important to God and God valuing you so much that everything else can stop and he will give you attention. So he stops to have this conversation with this woman. Remember, you know, at the the well also, one woman takes time off, spends time with her, changes her life, and she now becomes a disciple and a witness. Every individual is important. I release you to go look for individuals. I release you to find that child and bring them to Jesus. I I ask you to, to have it in your heart that you are too important. Someone would only come to Jesus by you. You know, somebody would be telling them about Jesus. Don't you remember how you got saved? Others were telling you, but it was one individual. It was one sermon. It was one gathering that got you to Christ. It's on an individual basis. I remember the person who hounded me till I came to Christ. It was an individual. And if the person had given up on me, I might have not come in. Can God count us on us? You know, this individual thing, he takes it very serious. He calls Joshua, and Joshua is kind of looking sad and miserable. And he says to him, listen, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. One-on-one, as I was with Moses, whatever you saw Moses walking, listen, I'm willing to sign up and give it to you. He said, nobody, nobody as long as you live will be able to stand before you. As I, just be courageous, just be, just be courageous. God, may God bless me as an individual. May God bless you as an individual. May God lift you up as an individual. Yes. Because sometimes we look at, we, we think that, oh my goodness, he's blessing Cole, he's blessing Jill, he's blessing that, he's blessing her. But how about me? God blesses us individually. Listen, can I encourage someone? The problems that you are facing... They are very individually. They are very individualistic. Yeah. And you have to ask for an individualistic anointing. It's peculiar. Yeah. It's unique. And sometimes we need to sit with the Holy Spirit and say, you know what? I need a set of skills that the pastor does not have. I need a set of skills that the intercessor does not have. I need a set of skills. I need an anointing that would would help me solve this particular issue. Psalm 144. Just in case you think uh, uh, this thing is very individualistic, all right? Psalm 144, 1 and 2. 
This is David talking. He said, blessed be the Lord my strength. Now when he says my strength, he's saying my rock, right? <laughs> Who teaches my hands to walk? It was not anybody who was teaching him. He said, my rock teaches me to war. I have issues that I have to war about that nobody can war for me, but teach me my rock. My rock, teach me how to war. Teach my hands to war. Can, can you put your hands out? You know, look, your hand is different from my hand. The battle you have is different from my battle. And you're saying, teach these hands to war. Teach me, teach me, teach me. Teach me. Teach these hands to war. Every one of us has things we have to deal with. It may, listen, we may fight things corporately, but we have individual things we have to deal with. We, we all drive home by ourselves. We gather together, but we drive home separately. And I'm driving, and the things that I'm contending with, you may not be contending with, but thank God he's able to teach you, teach you, teach you. Teach me. Teach us all. Teach our hands how to walk. Teach my hands how to walk. Say, teach my fingers how to fight. Teach me as an individual. This week, can you sit with the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, this is the issue. This is what is before me. Teach me. Teach me. You know, John recorded there's an anointing in you. And no one will teach you, but that, that anointing will teach you. There are things that you've got to learn individually. Listen, the, sometimes we teach things on the, on the wholesale. It doesn't work. Wholesale anointing doesn't work for certain things. I'll say it one more time. Sometimes the wholesale anointing doesn't work for the individual. It's not because I am not anointed, but I can't solve your problem with a wholesale anointing. And we don't disciple people to solve their problems. We try and solve their problems with what we. And Jesus wants to be in your boat. Look at the seven churches. Every one of them had different issues. Thank God that the same God. You see, there are diversities of oppressions, but by the same spirit. So may God give you an anointing. Listen, that sickness, that is raying his head in your family. You know what? God wants to give you an individual anointing to deal with it so that when somebody comes with that individual problem, you can step up and say, hey, my God. My God. My God. The God who saw me through will see you through. Can someone say, my rock, teach me. See, because we are disciples, we like to learn. We like to be taught. Teach me. Teach me. Teach me. Teach me. Now, let's just conclude with this. You know, every disciple, you know, we, 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 we know that it's an intentional process. We know that it has to be individualistic, but it must be inspired. Yeah. It must be inspired. God must be behind it. You know, God must come behind it and, and, and help us. We can't disciple others with our own strength. We are not even discipled by our own strength. So we can't do it by our own strength. So, uh, uh, you know, God would say to uh, someone like Abraham, you know, he inspires him beyond himself. 
Yeah, so Genesis 12, 2 and 3 says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. So he's not saying, Abraham, go and bless people. He said, no, 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 I'll do it. I'll make it happen. Oh my God, I like that deal. You know, so every now and then I need God to remind me that he's with me. You know, I'm just like everyone else who gets down sometimes. Yeah, I'm just like everyone else who feels heat and cold. But we got to learn that, listen, we're walking with a God who is able to inspire us. He's able to breathe into us and let us become a living soul. He's able to give us life when there is no life. He said to Ezekiel, can these bones live? Ezekiel was smart. He said, only you know. And those bones needed some inspiration for God. For them to come back alive. I don't know where you are with your journey. But can you lift your hands and say God inspire me. God inspire me. Inspire me again. Blow into me one more time. Let me know that I can become. Let me know that you can make me. Let me know that you are the one that is able to. Thank you Lord. Philippians 2.13 Philippians 2.13, Paul, Paul, you know, in, in, his, in his discipling, telling that the Philippians, listen, folks, listen. He says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. It is God that is working in you. Can you say, God, continue working in me, continue working in me, continue working. God is working in you. God is working with you. He's working through you. He's working to do. He's working to do his good pleasure. It is his good pleasure, but he has taken it upon himself to work. God, work in me. Holy Spirit, I will not stop your work. I will not stop your activity in my life. Work in me. Work in me. Work in me. We all need to be inspired. We, and, and he comes around. Listen, he's a spirit, the Holy Spirit. He's a, a, a Holy Spirit. And the last time I checked, spirit is breath. Let him breathe into us. Jesus breathed on the disciples and he said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Listen, every now and then I just need something to cause me to float. Yeah, you know, when we blow into a balloon, it's what you blow into the balloon that gives it its buoyancy. When we blow normal air into the balloon, which is a mixture of all kinds of, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, gases, it, it does not float. But when we take helium and we blow into that balloon and we blow it bigger than uh, the atmospheric conditions can hold it down, it begins to rise up. You know, we have these big hot air balloons. We pump gas into it and this huge thing begins to float. I pray that the Holy Spirit will inspire you today that you begin to rise into the place that you are called. Listen, them that are flying flat because of the activities of life, receive an inspiration from God. Receive the breath of God. Let the breath of the Almighty come into you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, who infuses in you inner strength. Let the grace, let the word of God, let it begin to cause you to rise up again. Every now and then you got to get a hold of the word and read it to your spirit over and over and over and over. And as you read it, you begin to ah, 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 something begins to happen to you. I pray today that you will know that as a disciple, 
God is interested in inspiring you. God is interested. This is not pep talk. This is about inspiring you to become what he says you become. Today I declare to you that you will walk as a disciple. One whose head is high. One who will say he is the lifter or above my head. He's the one who's put my foot on a solid rock to stay. I refuse to quit. I refuse to give up what he said he will do. His word is yes and amen. Can someone lift their hands to the Lord and, and just thank the Lord. Bless the Lord on oh my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Thank you Thank you that you will continue to inspire us. He continues to inspire us. Listen, you may have woken up from the wrong side of the bird, but God is saying, I can't inspire you. I can make good of my words. People were discouraged. Gideon, he was so discouraged. An angel came and just inspired him just a little bit. The guy built an altar and called it Jehovah Shalom. The God of my peace. The God who is my peace. Why? He needed peace to get up and do what God has called him to do. Today I declare that every one of us, whatever you need, may God inspire you. May God inspire you. I'm not talking about inspiration that does not last. I'm talking about an inspiration that lasts because he is an eternal God. He is an eternal God that has an everlasting capacity to cause you to keep going. My God, you are you are you are you have more grace than the energizer bunny. You <laughs> you, 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 you are able to keep going more than the, the, the things that have you know, a shelf life. The shelf life of God is eternal. (laughs) His word. His word. I see someone lift their hands. Thanking God for the word of God in your life. Thanking God for that which God has put in you. Thanking God for that which God has has commanded concerning you. I I thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Masatakaya, lasotakarabaha. Thank you that you you keep us. Thank you that you strengthen us. Thank you that you 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 are able to do. You are able to do. For that we bless you. We bless you. We bless you. In the name of Jesus. We bless everyone, those here, those watching. We ask that the same God, that same God, that same God that comes into our life, ensuring that we are, we are, we are handpicked intentionally, ensuring that our individuality is not washed away, and making sure that on a consistent basis, He's inspiring us. May you carry the mandate of God. May God give you answers this week. May God give you answers this week. In the name of Jesus. Let me, let me. Thank you for listening to the House of Worship podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and were blessed by it. 
For more information, visit us at our website at www.myhouseofworship.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.